of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, coming at you live from the guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina. And this evening, I'm going to have on my very good friend, frequent co host, uh, and guest on the show, and he is going to be running a class later on in the month of November, and we're going to be breaking down some of the details on that. Mr. Madman Actual, but before we get to that, I've got a couple of admin announcements. The schedule for 2023 is now up, and I want to reiterate the 10,000 subscribers out there as a very special thank you from me, and, uh, you know, really giving back to this community. I'm giving out one free class slot worth $500 to one of the people who are uh, signed up at the $5 level or above on the Podbean patron program. We've had a lot of people signing up, and that drawing is going to be happening tomorrow on Friday, and I'm going to be announcing the results on air and uh, congratulating the winner and you know getting, getting all those details squared away. So if you want to get in on that, the Podbean patron program is accessible via one of two ways. You can go through it through the Podbean app itself. There's a little red icon in the corner that you can click on, and that'll have the details there. You can also get to it through the radiocontra.podbean.com website with a big icon that'll be uh, off to the side if you're looking at it from a desktop it'll be about two-thirds down the way of the page if you're looking at it on a mobile device and it will say become a patron and i really really appreciate all of the wonderful patrons that have supported this program since day one it has given me more than i believe any of you can even imagine um, you know, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that, that I, it, at some point I would become a popular uh, talk show host. 
um, you know, and, and podcaster and, and whatever else. I've been a consumer of talk radio for most of my life. And uh, getting to do this, uh, getting the opportunity to do this is, is really, really special to me. And I want to extend that thanks to all of you out there. Uh, but anyhow, with that said, this show is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors out there. Nehemiah Strong, Mr. John Dislin, johndislin.com. You can access that book. There's hard copies. There is a digital version that is in the works as well. Nehemiah Strong. Civil Defense Manual, Jack Lawson's two-volume set on standing up a neighborhood protection team from scratch. I wrote the communications chapter in it. Mr. Joe Dolio with his Tactical Wisdom series. Incredible books, four volumes. I consider them top shelf reading. Last and certainly not least, the authors and publishers of the U.S. Army Special Forces Small Unit Tactics Handbook. This is the guide for students going through the Small Unit Tactics School as part of the Army's qualification course for the Special Forces. I, I really don't think that the bona fides come any stronger than that. Blacksmithpublishing.com. Without further ado, here's me and Madman Actual. Stand by, stay tuned. And sitting here with a very good friend of mine, fellow author over at AmericanPartisan.org, and Signals Intelligence Professional Collector Extraordinaire, Mr. Madman Actual. What's going on, brother? Same old, same old, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Sipping a little bit of Abalore from the the uh, Chalice of Malice here. The uh, the Rush Beater Resistor Edition, the uh, Contra Resistor Edition uh, Whiskey Grails. And uh, these are going to be out and about in the bloodstream. Uh, the public parlance here pretty soon, hopefully by Christmas, uh, we get that, that long awaited web store up and get these cranked out with a lot of other really cool products as well. I think that people are going to enjoy them. But the cool thing is, is that you can pick these up in class. I know I handed one off to you the last time you were down and uh, we had some good times. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm sipping out of mine right now, too, actually. Mm hmm. Go figure. Yes, sir. Goes quite well with the Abalore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, one of the things that's hot on everybody's mind right now, we're seeing the footage coming out of Ukraine that's been coming out, you know, for getting close to a year now. And really, the, the advent of tactics utilizing drones on the battlefield ranging from open source drones that are commercially available uh, stuff like from DJI for example to uh, professionally made drones that are backed by nation states you know most commonly uh, or, or what's going on in the back of everybody's mind right now the the Iranian drones they've been using for uh, directed uh, guided munitions attacks and, and utilizing that as a um, as a weapon system. So from the angle of tactical signals exploitation and mitigating the, the 
uh, ability of drones to be on the battlefield, or at least giving us uh, partisans, patriots out in the field, giving us an early warning. Um, what are some of the ways that you mitigate this threat? You detect this threat early on. And uh, what are some of the pointers out there that, that you want to throw out? There's uh, there's several things. Um, the most common mitigation tactic uh, that we can use is using those SDRs, the, um, the RTL SDR dongles specifically. Um, most people have a laptop to use. Um, there are other equipment, uh, pieces of equipment that I'll get into in a sec, but the SDR is cool because... If you have that up and you know about where the drone frequency, the control frequency is, so let's say it's 2.4 gigahertz in that band, um, you can have somebody just kind of like scrolling through and just seeing, you know, because you can only uh, zoom out on the SDR so far, but you'll see the spikes on the control because it's got to be a powerful signal uh with gigahertz the higher the frequency the shorter the burst can be or i think i said that correctly the higher the frequency yes the shorter distance the signal can go right just right. as a general rule of thumb so right. when you're in the gigahertz range that's why it's a wi-fi signal um and on a lot of the commercial drones like you go on amazon and it'll say it has an 80 yard um data transmit which means you can get the live video up to 80 yards for like the cheaper ones like you know like the the 80 to 100 dollars as far as my research has showed me um <clears throat> and that's because one battery power you can only transmit data and use the battery to fly the thing that is a Definitely a limitation on commercial drones, but the more professional grade stuff you're talking, these things are running off like an engine, not a battery. So they have a lot more power available to them and they're going to be able to transmit a lot further, which means they're going to be putting that out. So when it says it transmits, you know, it might, the control signal might be 2.4 gigahertz band, but the data transmit might be five gigahertz and that's what that means yeah. when it says it can transmit on 2.4 and five point whatever or it might just be five even um but that's like the cell phone that you use you have an uplink and a downlink the uplink from your right. phone to the tower and the downlink from the tower to your phone they're two separate frequencies and oftentimes they're like totally different bands you know one will be like 21 megahertz uh for the downlink and then it'll be like 1900 megahertz for the uplink so knowing that you want to target the uplink, right? You always want to target the uplink if you're trying to find the thing, right? Whether that be a drone or a phone or whatever you're trying to look for. <clears throat> Pardon me. So knowing that you want to go, all right, the five megahertz is probably the uplink because they want to transmit data. They want to transmit live live video they want to be able to transmit any signals intelligence that they have on those drones which the suicide drones don't like they're probably pre-programmed with coordinates to go to 
those are the very dangerous ones and they're new. So I don't know too much about them, but I do know a little bit about how drones work. And I feel right. like those are extremely dangerous for the reason that they can pre-program them with a coordinate to smack into. And once they're launched and in the air, that's it. There doesn't have to be any more transmission. They can be autonomous, quote unquote autonomous. So that's um, that's like what the Iranians are doing with their their current right. generation, the ones that they were fielding out of uh, Odessa. Yeah. So that is, um, unfortunately, or Crimea. I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump in there. Crimea. No, you're right. Not Odessa. I know what you meant. Um, that is terrifying because, um. I didn't, see, I didn't see them effectively stop a whole lot of them. Um, they resorted to shooting at them with AKs, uh, so that's like not a good sign. But, and and we cannot forget the brave AT four uh, that that was fired at it. I think which gets the <laughs> the Darwin Award of the year. Uh, just mind-numbingly stupid. I mean, come on, you know this is, this yeah. is just that anyway. is really dumb. So, um, at the, at the tactical level for, for a partisan or someone who's not very well equipped and cause like you, I'm sure there's Ukrainian units that are pretty much arming themselves and using whatever they can with whatever they have. So yeah, to find a drone, that's the thing. It, it's, if it's a line of sight connection, which most commercial drones are, um, pretty much. Pretty much only the government is using uh, satellite link drones where like there's a guy in Nevada controlling a drone in the Middle East. Right. Um, but the line of sight is the quadcopters, right? Um, <clears throat> so those always have an uplink and a downlink because they're going to be transmitting data. You're going to be transmitting data to the drone telling it what to do. And that's going to be a lot. That's going to be a powerful signal because you can't have that interrupted. You can have the data transmission interrupted, you know, like the feed, the video feed. Yeah. But if you lose control of a drone, that's dangerous, right? So that's always going to be transmitting way more power. So that's the easier one to see, which, depending on your game plan, is probably even better than looking for the drone. Because, you know, <laughs> if you find the guy that's piloting the drone, right. uh, you might win. Um, but anyway, um, SDRs can do that, right? They have a huge, huge bandwidth that they can look at. Um, yeah. the RF Explorer is a little handheld gizmo, um, that you can adapt a directional antenna to, I'm sure, but it comes with just a regular old, uh, telescopic, uh, antenna and a little rubber ducky. I think if you get, depending on what model you get. But some of those can go to, they can look at all the bands, right? They can look at the ham bands of HF, VHF, UHF, and they can also go up into the Wi-Fi range of gigahertz, where a lot of these drones operate. We're actually having a discussion with somebody today, um, and they said that apparently they're transmitting in the megahertz range now, like the 910 megahertz band, 
That's yeah. news to me. Um, I, I, I actually never heard about that. Um, but you know, if you have the equipment that can tune to that frequency, and you have an antenna, you, you can pick up the signal, right? And just like direction finding a radio, because that's all you're doing. It's just flying, unfortunately. So it does make it does make it harder right i'm not saying it's like oh yeah it's just like go out there and point it and you're fine um it's moving and it's probably moving fast so it's going to be a little bit harder to get a line of bearing but you can still find it and, and you can still have an early warning right because if you can hear it that means it's close close enough that you should yeah. be like concerned you know not just like lollygagging around hanging out in the open that that's like time to like Okay, let's uh, close the duck blind and <laughs> hunker down like nobody move for a while. Um, yeah, that's what you see and, in Ukraine, right? Yeah. Well, like one of the things, too, is that it's just like with thermal and night vision and the use of IR lasers. Like there's there's all these schools of thought that are emerging from this of like theories of implementation of use at the tactical level, um, theories of mitigating it at, at the tactical level. Like they, there for a little while, there was, you know, everybody was like, Oh, you know, we don't want to use IR lasers because, uh, you know, on a, uh, peered battlefield, everybody else has night vision. They're going to be using IR lasers. Like it's pointing right back to you. And I mean, I'm not saying that that theory is necessarily wrong, but it's also not necessarily right either. And it, it, it fails to take into account a number of other factors. So like you're, you're better off using your IR laser because that's what you're trained to do. Like, you, you, you know, I'm not going to be using an IR laser from my hide site, you know, like that's just right. dumb. That, that fails that's the common stupid. sense test. Yeah. But the same is true. Like everybody freaks out about thermal, like, Oh, you know, we need to, we need to have thermal mitigation. You know, and it's like, okay, you do, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Like, first, you got to understand what the, the actual reality of the threat really is. And when we're talking about like thermal, for example, everybody gets wound up about like, you know, oh, well, I need to put this like space blanket suit on. But, like, th that doesn't, everybody that advocates that has no idea what they're talking about. Like, they, they've never actually moved under anything like that in a tactical environment. Because you're not going to be wearing it very long, like that's it's just it, it's it's not realistic. Um, and, and your body going to look hotter under that. Yeah, yeah. Like you, I'm, you, I'm a big guy <laughs> and I sweat, so if I'm wearing yeah. something thick that's insulating my body heat, I'm going to look like a, I'm going to look like an open flame in 15 minutes under right. thermals with one of those on. Yeah, and you uh, know, in, in my experience, when, just hiding behind a big bush works pretty well. Right. I tell people in the scout course, I show them like, okay, look, thermal is a, a very good tool and it is a very effective tool, but it's not the eye of Sauron. Like it, it, it isn't, it just, it, it is an enabler. Okay. It, all of these things, night vision, it's an enabler. It is not a replacement for skill. And so these guys get for all freaked out about that. And um, then they see that, like, man, you know, like you can you can take off into the stand of white pines over here, and you're gone. Like your 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 thermal yep. signature's gone. Nobody can see you, and you can still build a pretty darn effective fighting position from inside of there. Well, the same is true with drones. So, like this last scout course, guys were um, fielding a pretty high end drone, 
the opposing force was. And um, they, you know, one of the guys that, that's a uh, op four for me picked up a, a really, really nice drone. And he's like, Hey, you know, I, I want to use this thing and, and see how it works. I'm like, Hey man, cool. And um, so he fields this thing. And, you know, I know that it's going to be there. Um, the students really didn't know. I kind of gave them a heads up that, that like, you know, the, the battlefield is going to be 360 degrees, including aerial. And uh, then they saw the drone. But the interesting thing was, was like when we reviewed the footage that was recorded from that drone, even in open terrain, we were pretty hard to see when it was on top of us. So like there yeah. were a couple of guys that you could positively identify but most of the other guys, it was like, uh, you know, because, I mean, they, they've got their ghillies on, they're camied up, you know, they're not bunched up together in, in one spot. They're moving tactically and they're moving through vegetation. So, you know, it, it, I, I looked at that and I was like, man, this is, you know, this is, this is kind of hard to get pid right here uh, or positive mm -hmm. identification, guys. So, you know, I think everybody's trying to figure out how to implement drones and drone technology at the tactical level. But they're really also, I, I don't want to say they're overstating the threat because the threat's high. Right. But at the same time, the threat is no higher, at least in, in my uh, observations, in my opinion, based on those observations, I don't really think that the threat is any higher than it is from any other thing. That, that's on the battlefield, any other tool that's on the battlefield, you know, to include the, the skill of the individual rifleman that, that you're matched up against as well. You know, how right. effective are they? How effective is their field craft? So um, circling back, though, talking about drone mitigation. So, you know, I, I don't want to overstate the threat, but I also don't want to understate it either. And so you're talking about SDR. And um, SDR is is not necessarily the most uh, field use friendly thing in the world, uh, but some other tools that are out there, like uh, for example, RF Explorer, can do something very similar for us. Can can find that um, in a more field rugged package. Have you got any experience using any of those tools? Yeah, so I have had the pleasure of. Uh, farting around on an RF Explorer, the 6G, which is like the um, <clears throat> largest bandwidth available, right? So that goes to, oh, I wish I wrote it down. It goes from VHF all the way up to like gigahertz. Um, so you can see a lot of the spectrum. And it's actually a tool that originated... Um, People would use it. It was like a little like a uh, spy detector device thing, and uh, making sure your yeah, Wi-Fi is working. Bug detector. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The bug, the bug detector, and making sure your Wi-Fi, like you know, is my wi if my modem and routers down here, my wireless routers down here, you know, for the big wigs that have fifteen how fifteen rooms in their house, you know, if I go to the opposite side of the house, is my Wi-Fi getting in here? And that's actually what it was made for. Um. And a good buddy of mine picked one up and was like, hey, man, you know, you always like are harping on me about buying guns and like I don't have any radios or like SIGIN equipment. And like I found this. Does it work? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like I've never even seen that thing. So let, we checked it out. And uh, sure enough, I mean, 
it worked just fine and it actually works great you can get the adapters and and hook a yagi up to it and that works really well because it actually gives you um they make software for it for a computer but on the screen it gives you the um oh, man i can't remember the graph the mountain graph right like the uh where like it has the five yeah. megahertz give me the spike spike jeez i'm like having a brain fart um yeah, <laughs> it'll give you it'll give you a spike oh, which no. is no but what, which is awesome because with something like a yagi antenna uh you know if any of the sigin course guys remember when we're dfing the noah tower when you're off kind of like at a 90 degree or maybe even a 70 degree like you can hear it maybe a little bit and it might be cracky or it might be really quiet but on right. if you have that display, you can tell because it'll be a little spike. But if you're aimed right at it, man, that thing is like trying to blast out of the top of the screen. Yeah. And that's what we figured out. And that was using, I think that was using my UV82s, my Baofeng UV82. Um, yeah. Which is just like a UV5R. It's it's the same thing, just a little bit bigger, actually like physically bigger. Um, but same wattage, same power levels. Same frequency settings, everything. Um, and man, I was like a quarter mile down the road. And he was like, man, that thing like really picked you up. It was like spiking good. He took a video of it and sent it to me. Um, but I will warn you, those are like 500 bucks. So just keep that in mind. Um, that's the thing with the with these, a lot of these tools. Um if you're trying to use, if you're trying to get a true jack of all trades that's pocket sized, unfortunately, you're just going to have to pay for it. Um, and I know right now everything's super expensive, but if you're one of those guys who walks into the gun store every month and walks out with a gun, maybe not do that for the next two months and, and get some like good equipment like some radios and like you know you were talking about that uh the T tbr 119 right yeah um that man i need one of those because that right yeah. there is not only a communications device but if you can receive those signals yeah that means that you can direction find all of that so right. if you can broadcast on it you can receive and it, it and you can find what it one of the neat things is that it has a direction finding module built into it. So I, I haven't had enough time to sit down with it and uh, it needs a separate antenna. It has its own antenna input for that, but yeah, it, this, this radio is configured to be able to conduct signals intelligence on the ground. So it's really a dual purpose unit. Cause I know um, the low level voice intercept guys that, that we had as enablers. So like, you know, some of your side a guys and um, you know, at, at, at the, the um, for SOCOM, the site special operations team alpha that, you know, you know who they are, but the audience like the, you know, the high speed signet guys for SOCOM, you know, and, and the guys that were pushed to us, they they had their man packs that were configured for the, for this very thing, and this this TBR one nineteen is taking that to the next step. 
Um, so it's kind of fascinating how like the, the technology is evolving very quickly. And the nice thing about the TBR too, and, and again, I, I'm going to get a lot more trigger time with that thing um, in the coming week. And, and uh, well, I mean, for a long period of time, cause I, I bought it. It wasn't supplied to me. Uh, I bought it with my own money. So anybody wondering where, you know, your, your support for radio <laughs> contract goes, it goes to buying, you know, the best equipment that that we can get our hands on. I'll be the cadaver. I'll test it and and make sure this stuff is good to go. But um, you know, it, it so far that thing being an SDR radio, having you know that waterfall readout, being able to see those spikes as well um, on that waterfall. I mean, the display is small because this is a, a, a radio that's built with tactical concerns in mind. Uh, so it's, it's very, very different than what, you know, hams would use. And I had a, a guy that, that right. you know, I'm very close friends with that bought one uh, recently that lives local to me. And, you know, you, you've met him, but um, you know, he, he was, he got it and, and he's like, this isn't a ham radio. And I said, nah, it's not. And he goes, well, hmm. I, I don't really know how I feel about this because, you know, I, I think that a dial would be really useful. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, how much have you used a radio like this in the field? You know, like, like a dial is very yeah. suboptimal for this for this application. You know? And you really don't. And I was like, man, you know, have you ever used a, a PRC-150 or PRC-138? And he's like, no. I said, well, this is pretty much the same as that, but with a better display. Uh, so, right. you know, it's, but so yeah, it, it, the, um, I'll go ahead. We had, we had the PRD 13, which was a direction yeah. finding. And that was about the same yeah. size yeah. as the, the TBR 119. And that had and the big dial uh, on the, it. Yeah. It, it, it had the 55 nineties and the, uh, the batteries, and the big hockey yep. puck that went off the top. The, um, and that thing uh, was a beat. More of more of a landmine, but yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it, it had, I mean, it did. It, it literally it looked did. like it was like the size of a Domino's pizza in diameter. Yeah, it was a big. Oh, it was man. a beast. But uh, I feel yeah, that had a nice little dial on it. And yeah, we just like lean ourselves up against the tree and just slowly just turn the dial. Keep turning the dial. Oh, there's a spike. Go back. And then, you know, turn it the other way. Um, you know, you had your little tuna knobs and everything and your, like, squelch. And you, you had everything on there. But, no, that, that 119, man, when you were talking about it, and then I looked at it, and I was like, man, I need one of these things ASAP. It's, it's pricey, you know what I mean? Man, it is. Like, it. to your point, people look at it, and they get that sticker shock, man. I, I had, like, a dozen emails after that episode that I did, you know, the other night and guys are like, Oh, that's two grand. There's no way I'm going to spend that. And I'm like, you know, okay. I, I mean, you know, I, on one hand, like I appreciate that you're reaching out to me on the other hand, you know, you, you're reaching out to send me an email telling me that you're not going to buy something. So, I mean, let's like, let's step back and think about that real quick. Um, What's the point, homie? <laughs> You know, like, like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't tell you to buy it. I'm just saying, like, I got one. This is what I see. You know, um, these are my observations. But, you know, like it. Um, people talk about like sticker shock. Yeah, it's two grand. 
you know, it's, it's two grand. Your a lot of your signals intelligence equipment, you know, the the Alinko DJX 11T is right around four hundred dollars to buy one new. It's it's not cheap, but how much money are people going to be spending on AR-15s? You know, like oh, it, well, I'm going to buy you know my my seventh AR-15 or AK or, or like whatever, and it's like okay, man, how many guns can you shoot? Oh well, I'm going to supply the neighbors. Wait a minute. Okay, so you so you're gonna supply these people who don't have any training. Like, let, let's just think about this. You know, it, it, it's but when it comes to buying technology that could enhance your capability and really your value to any group that you find yourself in, like, hey, you know, I, I can do um, the signals intercept stuff, and I can give us a leg up. And for a lot of preppers out there when it really comes down to it, um, signals intelligence is probably going to be your first option when you're talking about real-time battlefield intelligence and how that integrates into the decision-making process for a, you know, a, a neighborhood protection team or a militia or in you know asymmetric warfare type conditions. Signals intelligence is going to be really your first stop. You know, the, the sexy human stuff and, you know, the, the imagery intelligence and all that, you may not have that option, but if you do have some, some decent signals intercept gear and you know how to use it and you got the training to use it, your enemy is probably because of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but because of their ill discipline on the radio, which a lot of people have, you know, conventional military has, I can say unconventional military, uh, special operations side, they, they've got some bad habits that need addressing and everybody knows it. Um, and, and, and really starting to learn those lessons in Ukraine that it, it's, it's coming out. The signals intelligence is, you know, understanding the digital domain is the, the intelligence of, of the future, right? That, that's how we're owning the battle space. That's how the Russians are targeting. That's how, like, with the Ukrainian side and the use of Starlink, that's how we're doing it, right? You know, so um, it opens a big can of worms. It, it, I, I guess my point is, is that it's all in what you value. I mean, you you can buy, you know, a $700 AR and, and that's fine, you know, for the seventh time. Or, or that massive gun collection that you have that, that's collecting dust, or you can buy more productive things. You can put it into more productive things. One decent rifle that's not, you know, like a walking freaking 4chan gimmick, um, you know, or, or, or YouTube gimmick, because uh, because some cool guy wannabe freaking sold you on it. Or, you, you know, you, you can have one that you realistically use and, and a bunch of other equipment that is way more useful. Like communications receivers yep. and RF explorer and uh you know radio stuff yep i'm looking at an rf explorer right now and it goes from 240 megahertz to 960 megahertz and it's 180 bucks yeah um the 6g combo is 389 and that goes from 15 megahertz to 2.7 gigahertz and 4.8 gigahertz to 6.1 gigahertz with an amplitude resolution of 0.5 dBm. That's good. Yeah. For 389, I mean, I mean 
Yeah. I've had I've had a few RF engineers bring those to class and they've always impressed me. Um, their build quality impresses me. You know, they're they're rugged dude. I mean it, it yep. it's and a heck software of a for it if you have a laptop around. You know, if you're in the truck, you can bring your laptop with you if you're in your truck, you know, like if you got Antifa coming down the street, like, yeah, bring your truck, dude. You know, you're not walking. Right. I mean, I've got a real world story about that. You know, a friend of mine who um, shall remain nameless, but he lives out West and and I know that he'll hear this and um, he knows who he is and it's going to make him smile. But he literally had Antifa come through his neighborhood in this, you know, sizable Western United States town that he lives in. And, you know, they, they came through, they were raising all kinds of cane and, uh, you know, trashing the local park and threatening people and stuff. And he got out there and he was doing real time signals intelligence work on these guys. And not every Antifa cell is doing the same thing. That, that's one thing that folks need to understand is that they're, they're not, they're each doing something different. And in some cases, wildly different from one another because they're, they're, they're very compartmentalized. And that way, yeah. when they do that, it, it's a pretty effective model for counterintelligence because when you're doing that, you know, if, if nobody's on the same page, cell to cell, then nothing can be given up on the other cells when, when you get rolled up. And, and that's, they have a way of coordinating. Like when I break down communications into to three broad categories, you know, sustainment level, which is like day-to-day stuff, tactical level, which is, you know, inner team inside of your team, inside of your action. cell, whatever you want to call it, like movement to contact doing that kind of thing. Um, and then strategic and strategic communications are, from one group to another that are mostly isolated from one another. And, and they're coordinating some sort of large scale activity. And um, that's very good as a, a counterintelligence model, but he sat here and, uh, you know, basically mapped out these guys SOI and had it all, you know, all the way down to like the call signs that they're using and what these guys were doing. And, you know, he was using the SDR, he was using a scanner, and he was using a communications receiver. And and he was sitting in his vehicle while he was doing it. And um I mean that that's it's it's a real world example of of you know what to do with this stuff, how to go about doing it. And I mean he handed it off to the local law enforcement. Now where it went from there, who knows? Um, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to say they weaponized that knowledge and, and, you know, crushed these dudes nuts. But, you know, we, we both know, and, and probably everybody listening knows that that didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, it, it is what it is, but in, in the real time nature of it all, man, signals intelligence is where it's at. This is, you have to be hot on this and, and really sink your teeth into the, the broad topic of tactical signals exploitation, which is your wheelhouse. And you've got a course coming up on that in, in just over a month. Yep. I do. Uh, November 20th and 21st Sunday and Monday, 
uh, just before Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go over all this, uh, like how to employ this, like really employ the stuff that you learn in the singing class. Um, cause in the singing course you learn how to do it. And if you use your imagination, They don't leave the wire. They like they don't go on mission if they don't have Sigint backing them up, and if they don't have Sigint driving where they're going. Um, human is like, uh, yeah, we kind of trust it, but like that guy just wants money, you know? Like, like he'll give you like good enough information to get paid, and that's about it. Um, everybody spills the beans on their email or what, whatever whatever technology is being exploited, people spill the beans enough. So, um, you know, the class is going to be a lot of actually employing the SIGINT knowledge that we have with the equipment that we can reasonably obtain for your neighborhood protection teams um, and how to set up, you know, remote collection sites. Um you know, there's some of these RF explorers have memory cards. So you could theoretically put one in the ammo box, drill a hole in the top, get the antenna sticking out, hide it next to something, under something, and come back a couple days later and look at the data. You know, see what see what pops up in that uh, frequency band that you were looking at. Um, especially if you already know, you know, if you have your frequencies of interest, which is another thing we're going to go over of how to really compile that and, and good efficient ways of doing it and going through it and keeping track of it. Um, Cause that's the thing with SIGIN, man. It's like, it's a lot of work. It really is, but it's so necessary. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Um, I wouldn't feel safe going out, not knowing anything about the signals environment. You know, like, I don't know what's out there. I don't know what they're talking on. If they're talking, how often they're talking. If I don't know any of that, I mean, you might as well just be walking out there with a blindfold. And and that's just not a position you want to be in. Especially right. when, you know, if it, if it escalates, if your situation escalates to the point that you're, like, carrying a rifle um, and you don't have SIGIN equipment, Unfortunately, yeah, you're pretty much just stuck where you're at. Because, like, your best scope can see, I don't know, you're the sniper. Like, what? what's the, like... Wow, well, that depends, you know I mean? man. Like, I, I, I thought you were going to say to you, you can see to the limit of the vegetation, uh, at least here, you know, where we are on the East Coast. Well, you, like, yeah, that's true. But, like, best case scenario, you got an open field. Yeah, like what you know, you, you can see. I mean, it, you know, it depends on the optic, but like with, with you know, loophole, uh, Mark Four, you know, ten by forty, you're you're seeing uh, at you know fixed ten power. Um, you know, you 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 can get positive identification to, depending on your eyesight, you you can get PID out to you know fifteen hundred meters. Um, right, and, and that's 
that that's as good as you're going to get, man. It, it, it just, and that depends on your eyesight. I mean, like, you know, my eyesight, yeah. uh, back in the day was, was, you know, a little bit better than it is now. But, um, you know, I, back then I was, you know, 2015 in both eyes and it's, you know, it's, I had 2017, 2020 now, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't see as clear at distance as I used to, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, it's, that's a good point. Um, cause it's, you know, the broader point that you're making is, is you can, you can only engage targets to a specific distance effectively, but that, uh, to steal a line from John Kirby and this, you know, hell must be freezing over because this is the only time I'm ever going to steal a line from John Kirby. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the, the interim White House press secretary, they put him out there when he needs somebody a little more serious than Khalid Jean-Pierre. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, he was out there today. But, it, you know, the, the over-the-horizon capability, you know, you need that over-the-horizon yep. capability. And that's, uh, you know, him And that's being, exactly uh, my point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you, you need your scene equipment to know that there's guys two miles up the road because even your, even the quote unquote shitty Baofang, you're still getting about a mile and a half, two miles with good conditions, with crappy conditions, you're getting a mile. But even then, right. can you see a mile? No. Can you hear no. with your naked ear a mile? No. But your radio can. And you're going to know the direction it's coming from. So you can circle around. You can get the high ground. You know what I mean? Like, you have to know what you're walking into. And if you walk in there just dangling around thinking you're a boogaloo boy in your Hawaiian t-shirt and you're just going to go drive by, (laughs) you're going to get smoked. Absolutely. You're going to get hosed with lead. And I'm not going to feel bad for you. Oh, no. I mean, that begs the question. Because I'm telling you right now. Yeah, it's it's you know there, there's going to be that person, and and I already know um, you know I'm going to get a few emails, and I I always address this in class, and and I want to get your answer on this because I I have a think I think I have a feeling I know what it's going to be that there's there's going to be that guy that says oh well you know there's encryption and there's frequency hopping and like they use the buzzwords right you know all the buzzwords right. and these are always just the observation these are always thrown out there as an excuse people make for some sort of shortcoming that they have um Always, hundred percent of the time, it, it's like, oh well, blah blah blah, you know, frequency hopping and all this stuff. Well, just because something frequency hops, does that give you a blanket of immunity? And follow-on questions, since I love double-barrel questions, just because something is encrypted at the tactical level, does that mean you cannot exploit it? Um. So with the frequency hopping. Frequency hopping typically uses a lot of different frequencies to the thousandth or ten thousandth decimal within one megahertz band, right? So you're not skipping from, uh, I'll pick a random one. You're not skipping from 437 megahertz 
to 448 megahertz. Like you're not jumping all over the board because the radio can't tune that fast because it can't for frequency hopping to work. You have to be hitting so many different frequencies per millisecond. So first off, you need a badass radio to do that. Um, and like even mostly your like laptops and SDRs aren't doing that. Not fast enough. Because if you give half a second of broadcast, that's enough. I gotcha. I know where you're going to pop up again because it's a cycle. It's a big circle. Just keeps going around and around and around and around. Not literally. It zigzags. But it's got to go pretty fast. So frequency hopping, eh, professional grade radios, they're good at it. Like, you know, the U.S. Army, uh, we used frequency hopping. Um, and it's effective. It is. However, if you're talking like that level of sophistication, um, you got like a whole other set of problems for one. And so to answer, and so I feel like that answers that question a little bit. Um, your second point is the back end. I'm for a fact, right? So DMR digital mobile radio, it is encrypted, right? And it, it's voice encryption is very good, right? To my knowledge, most systems cannot hear what you're saying. That doesn't mean you can't know where it came from. Not only that, but you are brought when you are broadcasting, you're broadcasting metadata. So you're broadcasting your timestamp, which needs to be synced within your base station for you to communicate and text with other DMRs in your network. Not only that, but you have to name your radio, right? So you're giving another indicator of who you are, where you're at. And on top of that, it's a timestamp, right? Because digital. They're, they imagine a cell phone that got like Hulk smashed into a, ra- a push to talk radio. And that's pretty much about what DMR is, right? You still broadcast your color codes, you still broadcast your timestamps, you broadcast your radio name, but you can't hear it, right? So we don't know what you're talking about. But if there's like, a bunch of shooting and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of DMR activity like in the same area it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure out what's going on right we blew up so many ISIS guys using DMR I watched it happen yeah it's just it's not it's not impossible it's not I've said it before I'll say it every chance I get Unreadable is a thing. Untraceable is not a thing. Everything can be traced. You might not be able to understand what they're saying, but you can find them every single time. Well, and and, uh, and I wanted to bring that up because people think that... I get this question all the time, and it's a fair question. I'm not trying to be demeaning or anything, but... People say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm looking for encryption and I'm looking for communication security. Okay, Roger. 
Right. But communication security is not a, a, uh, all or nothing kind of deal. Like it, it's, it's on its own continuum and you have to understand that if you're not obscuring the source of your signal, you're, you're creating a multitude of problems for yourself that, that you're not even really sure, uh, even exist because you don't know what you don't know. And, um, you know, I, I wanted you to point that out for all the listeners out there, because there's a lot of people in the community that say, oh, well, you know, but I've, I've got this really awesome radio and DMR and it, you're like they're throwing out all the buzzwords and it, it all sounds real slick and good. But it's like, hey, man, you know, we've been exploiting this stuff for a really long time now. And maybe you might want to look at some of the open source options that are out there. And, and I'm a fan of DMR. I, I don't want to be thinking, you know, like, Hey, he's, he's over here shitting on DMR because I use it in class. No. DMR is cool. It is man. But there, there is a time and a place for that. And there is a time right. and a place for other methods as well. Like using and FL message, over an analog balfing, which is, you know, something else that I teach in class as a means of um, not just bursting data rather than having that, you know, that trigger time on the radio, that, that mic time where, you know, let's say like you're sending up a salute report or salt report or, you know, whatever it is, something that requires a little bit more uh, time on the microphone than we feel comfortable with. And, um, you know, you from a, a professional SIGINT standpoint, you can exploit that amount of time on the radio. But if I send out a burst of data that's, you know, three seconds long or five seconds long, and it's in a format that maybe uh, the intelligence collectors on the ground can't analyze or don't, they, they don't know what questions to ask because the protocol, they're, they're not used to seeing that protocol. Um, you know, like for example, and FL message or FL digi has a huge number of different digital modes at, at your disposal. Use one of those. I mean, as a SIG enter, how hard would that be? In terms of finding an FL digi? Yeah. How, how hard would that make your life coming from, you know, you, you collect the inform like you, you collect the signal and now you have to process it and hand it off to an analyst, you know, and, and they have to create a workable product for somebody. What, what effect would that have on you? Well, you can look at that two ways, right? You can look at it from a tactical standpoint where, the burst um, very much resembles like a Morse code type pattern where it's like, do, 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 not literally making beeps. Well, maybe a little bit, but that's how it would appear on the spike meter. Yep. Um, it would yep. go up and down, up and down, up and down, weak, 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 and then go spike. And then, you know what I mean? And that's like all the ones and zeros getting processed. Um, that would be about that'd be about the same as finding someone just having like a brief message over voice um but it would also make you kind of like stand back and be like hold on wait what what is this or like 
are we intercepting Morse code? Like, it'd make you think for a second. Um, and from the strategic level, right? So, like, you got a, a nerd behind a computer. Um, a lot of guys aren't going to even know what the hell they're looking at. They're just going to see a bunch of broadcast timestamps, depending on what system it is, if it records. Because the digital will break that up, so it'll look like a stop-start, and then a start, and then a stop. And you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to look like a continuous transmission. So it's going to make it look like a billion of them, um, which I've seen before. And my first reaction was, it like, is our system malfunctioning? What 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 is going on right now? I didn't even know what was happening. Um, Luckily, there was a more experienced guy, and he's like, oh, they're doing digital over analog. And that's where I discovered that that was actually possible. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but the problem is that, like, not all collection systems are going to be able to actually see what you transmitted. Because some of them are just p- looking for voice. You know, if it's tuned right. to analog... It's not, it's not going to be able to process digital information. So like the picture you posted where it was the picture of the, um, the radio and then you broadcast that picture over that radio or through that radio, I should say. Um, yeah. A lot of collection systems aren't going to be able to pick up that picture. They're just going to see the actual like physical thing. Right. So just like going back to the DMR, there's a time and a place for it. So right. if you are at home or you're on the homestead and you got your little community county defense thing going on, yeah, sure. Text your buddy over DMR. Be like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, we need a guard change at ECP2 or whatever. Whatever's going on. Or like, hey, man, you got a dozen eggs. I'm like starving over here. Um, Sure, that's fine. Like, by all means, do that. That That is what it's for, right? It is... DMR was designed and made for remote locations where GSM infrastructure could not be built and implemented. That's, that is what DMR was supposed to do, right? So places that couldn't have cell phones, they couldn't have 4G or 3G when it came out, 4G, all that, or it wasn't worth it. They gave them, here's another option. Hey, you buy this DMR radio or a handful of them. The base station's like a thousand, twelve hundred bucks. You can set up your own little cell phone network, but it's radios, right? So you can push to talk or you can text. You can do all this stuff and you can have little contacts in there. You know, you can group people, you can group chat the whole network. You can just talk to one guy, you can talk to two guys. Um, so, like you said, time and place for everything, right? So the digital over analog, there's time and place for it, right? So if you are in LPOP and you have your little Android tablet, it's got a camera on it, and you're like lean back in your hide, and you see a whole bunch of sh- like a string of headlights going down the road, you can take a picture of it and then just transmit it. Instead of going on the radio and saying, yeah, we have like, 
15 trucks going down the road, southbound, yada, yada. You just take a picture of it, right? Because they should know where your LPOP is. Yeah. All you have to do, take a picture and just like, I don't know, edit the photo and just like right on there with your finger, like southbound or like S, you know, do something. You can get creative with it. And, Um, you know, also though, in, in, and FL message, it, which is the Android version of FL Digi, it allows mm-hmm. you to attach a message to the image. And so you can, so, and, and you know, we did this. In, like a in, caption. Uh, yeah. In, in Lurse, we did this. We, we would attach images of stuff. And, you know, we had, I mean, one of the things that, that I looked for when I got out of the army was, you know, what's all the civilian side equivalent to uh, the the stuff that I used when I was in, because, you know, the ability to send images over the radio as part of an Intel product, that's huge, man. And um, how, how do you do that? And so it was really, really cool to figure this out and then see that I could do that. And um, yeah, you, you can attach, uh, really a, a whole lot of data to it. If you want to, you, you can go in depth. So, um, you know, like for example, I, n- I know your experience with this, but, uh, like if we were sending up a Boris report, which is a, a much more in depth intelligence report from the field that includes a salute report, but it also has images and, and it's got some other stuff attached to it. I can send that through a few of the different uh, digital data modes on and FL message. And I can do that over a Baofeng radio, you know, and, and um, so like out West, for example, you know, being able to get, um, you know, out at uh, uh, in Wyoming, where did the the last class in Wyoming, we had a, a, a 30 mile range out there and the class built Yagi antennas for VHF and UHF. And so we're transmitting on uh, one frequency, receiving on another, and we're sending the, that digital traffic from place to place. And we covered a 35 mile range um, from one. Now, I mean, that that's an ideal type, but we were on one mountain range and then there was another one that we had access to. And so we were able to cover that distance. You know, here on the East Coast, you ain't really going to get that. But the fact is, no, is that, not. yes, it is. Nah, and, and, but, I mean, realistically, you don't need that much distance either. As a gorilla, you don't really need um I don't want to be that anything. far from home, to be honest with you. No. Well, it, you don't want to be that far from your support network. Because, you know, that's just, that's, that's not how, that's not a realistic model of how, how gorillas operate. But, you know, they, they, I mean, you look at Vietnam, you look at uh, Ireland and, and, you know, the Easter uprising, you look at the IRA, you look at, uh, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, the insurgents were all from where they were operating. and, And that was what, uh, part of what the the challenge of intelligence was was how do you penetrate these local networks? It, it's it's very very difficult to do, you know. So talking about radio though, it's absolutely possible to do all that, and mm-hmm. you know the game of intelligence is exploitation, but it's built through pattern recognition, you know, and, and that's why uh, they put such an emphasis on pattern recognition 
in IQ tests and, you know, like the ASVAB is a type of IQ test or at least part of it. And so the guys yep. that perform very high on it, they want to push them into Intel fields and say, you know, like specialized fields is where we're going to place you. And, um, you know, it, it, so my point is, is that if you can't even like from the Intel side, if, if you can't even necessarily recognize that something that a transmission has been sent and that you need to do something with that, you know, unless the, the enemy just, you know, us, the insurgents just start sending the same thing over and over and over again, um, you know, and, and, and creating a very distinct pattern for ourselves, that communication security capability is pretty doggone high. What say you? Yes. Yeah, so that's the, the thing. Um, there was a point I meant to make a minute ago. I'm glad you actually jarred my brain a little bit. So it doesn't matter what level of comsec you have. Um, if you wake up at the same time every day, and you talk to the same people every day at the same time, that's a pattern, right? And then if you are in an area where something happens, you become a target of interest, possibly, right? I'm not saying guaranteed. But um, <clears throat> to my point, you can't create patterns, right? Because we have something that we do in the Intel community pattern of life. And I actually, I'm going to go over this in the tactical exploitation class because I, I'm meaning to, like I said, we're going to go over SIG and stuff and how to do this yourself, but it's also kind of like a counter Intel class, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to show you guys how, how this actually all comes together in a professional force. So you know what not to do, right? Because the only way to go be effective is to not get your head blown off or get arrested, whatever. I don't know. X, Y, Z. Um, and the thing we would do, we would look for patterns, right? We would be like, okay, this guy works here. This guy lives here because of his activity, right? He's always like right before traditional bedtime. He's always here. And you know, middle of the day, he's always over here. And then in the middle of the night, he's way out here. So that tells me that in the middle of the night, he goes to camp. Right? Around bedtime, he's at home. In the middle of the day, he's at work. Or wherever he hangs out, right? The coffee shop. Like, we always used to joke, it's the Sopranos, right? They're, they're at the shop. They're at the sandwich shop. They're bullshitting, eating sandwiches. Doing whatever. Right? And then, yeah. You see a guy, like, in the middle of the night in the same area, and it's always, like... it. I'm sorry. It's always in the same area, varying times, but it's always in the middle of the night. Somewhere. You know, between, like, midnight and, like, 4 a.m. But it's the same spot. So that should tell you, like, well, Afghanistan... Eh. Culture's a little bit different. He might be going to see his uh see his side chick or something. Or his what but they always know. they always get them anchor points, man. Always. Like but across they they, culture. Yeah, there's always the same spot. Like if somebody was looking at me right now, 
I guarantee you, they know exactly where I live. They know exactly where I work because I go there all the time. Right. Right. Like I'm in, I'm in my house right now. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be at work, you know? And so I don't always go down. But then that's building a pattern too, right? Oh, he's going here. What's going on over there? And then they find out and they're like, oh, this is going on. Okay, this guy's in charge of this job. You know, it, it, the pattern of life thing is huge. Um, and as things devolve, which I think they will, um, I don't, well, I will say, I, I put this in the write-up about the announcement, the course announcement. Um, I promise you, you're going to learn something and you're probably going to come out 100% more paranoid. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> It's true, but, though. I mean, it's but, true. When, when you learn, what the difference between being cautious and being paranoid is, is paranoia is unfounded fear. You know, being yeah. cautious means, hey, I know something's out there and, and this is why I'm acting this way. <laughs> You're not paranoid if they are out to get you. Um, right. You know. Right. So, but, you know, like, uh, there's 300 some odd million, right? Um, there's a lot of fish to look at. So, um, even Afghanistan, I mean, I'm telling you, man, when I was an instructor, I'd have to come up with little uh, target decks for my guy, for my students to look at. Be like, hey, look, you guys, here's one, here's one clue. Now you guys get to Mystery Machine and figure out the rest, right? Right. And I'd I'd bust it down myself. I'd be like, okay, I know the major players. I know the guys that like, and it was this was a pass or fail thing. If they didn't find like the guy, I'd be like, okay, you guys are like, I'm sorry to say this, you're not quite what we're looking for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. So, but that was the thing. I, I, I could break these guys down, but that took me, you know, we had a five week course. And we only had, we had two weeks in between. Um, and it would take me like the whole two weeks. And that wasn't even like figuring out everything. That was just like blatantly obvious. Okay. This guy's the, the financier. This guy's, this guy makes the bombs. These are the dumb asses that they go and like shoot at the patrols. Like, you know what I mean? Like vague general uh idea of of the network but that's the thing right. that was afghanistan and afghanistan is like tiny compared to the u.s population and yeah. physical size same with iraq yeah, exactly. iraq was a freaking nightmare and i mean i'm sure there's a better analyst that probably could have done it faster than me but like i mean you're still talking like one guy taking two weeks to bust down 
30 guys into a network, you know, maybe more, maybe less, depending on where it was and who it was. Um, but that's the thing. That's where I tell people not to be paranoid. Be like, man, look, like, don't do anything dumb, you know, like right place, right time. Don't, don't do anything dumb. It's, it's really that easy. Um, and that's where, yeah, ComSec, you should have ComSec. I totally agree with using Tutanota for your email, using VPNs, using Tor, using all these things you're doing. Um, not only from a tactical perspective or personal security, but just like, that's more of like a, you know, I don't want to be getting advertisements all the time um, and building my digital profile so they know everything about me. So, but that's also the reality that we have to live in because, you know, it might not devolve. We might have to live in this like 5G hellhole network thing, um, which I'm probably going to dive into a little bit on how to like, you know, there, there's ways to get around that and it's, they're pretty simple, you know, use VPNs, use Tor, um, stop online shopping, you know, maybe, maybe get that cash out from your ATM at your bank, you know, don't go to the ATM at the gas station, go to your bank and then yeah, go to Bass Pro, go to Cabela's, go to whatever mom and pop shop and buy stuff in cash. Um, there's easy ways, easy, easy ways. And it's all common sense. You just really have to think about it. And sometimes you have to be told, you know, that's, that's the reality. I have to be told all the time. Uh, stuff that I thought, you know, after I know it, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of think about that. Um, but stuff like that, you know, like just don't make patterns for yourself. And, and that's worth more than any ComSec, any digital encryption. You know, I don't care how many, what are we up to like 516 bit encryption? Are we there yet? Cause I, yeah. I don't know. We started at, yeah. we, you know, we started, we started at 16 bit. Now we're up to like 128, and you know, like just keeps going up and, yeah. and it just, it, you know, it's getting wild, man. It, it, the, it, that's the thing. It doesn't last, you know, it was a couple years right. and ev- everybody's got it figured out. The moment it comes out, the people you really have to worry about are, they've already figured it out the day it comes right. out. Um, you know, like that's just the nature of the beast. The hackers are always one step ahead. Um, right. So, cause it's 24 seven job for them. They're always trying to get into everybody's bank account information. They're always trying to get into everybody's financials. They're always trying to get in like, cause they're not looking for you, right? They're looking for money, but right. in doing so they'll find out information and then they sell it to st- other foreign, like state governments, foreign actors, whoever. Um, so that's more of the digital side. Um, but the tactical stuff, it all kind of wraps into the same concept of just don't make patterns, keep a low profile, be the gray man. Don't, don't look like the big dog, right? You might be the big dog. You might be the most dangerous dude in your state. Don't look like it. You need to look like a meek, regular guy. That's just like, hey, my cell phone, like I can't pay my cell phone bill. So yeah, man, like 
I got to use this DMR radio because it was way cheaper in the long run than paying for a cell phone bill every month. Right. Right. You know, you know what or, I mean? Or this, this $25 bow thing, you know? And, yeah. And all the, even better. That's know, yeah, the $25 bow thing and this $50 cheap. Android tablet. Yeah, man. This this cheap busted up tablet that I got, man. Yeah. I just watch movies on this thing, man. Cause you know, yeah. I'm too poor to have a TV, you know, like, Yep. It's it, exactly. it's all that cover for action, man. You know, and, Dude, and, and a lot of do. times, yeah, you know, I, I explained this to people uh, when we're doing the tradecraft course. And, you know, if you if you look unimportant, you know exactly what you pointed out, man. If you look unimportant, but more importantly, if you look like somebody that everybody wants to ignore, like you know. Maybe you're you're beneath their station in life, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not necessarily saying look homeless, but look like you know a construction worker or you know somebody that you know if if you're in kind of a, the bougie side of town, you know look like you you're wearing your Carhartt pants and you know like like you're part of a landscape or and, and they're gonna leave you alone. <laughs> you know, like like people are gonna leave you alone. Yeah. And, and, it's it's those principles and and you can pull it off you know look like look like everybody else but look like look like nobody look like somebody who is completely unimportant and and that applies to the rf terrain the digital terrain just as much as it does to to anything else you know the, the human terrain the physical terrain so on and so forth brother but with yeah. that said, man, one hour and 15 minutes, dude. I can't believe we have went that long. I just glanced over at the clock, and it's like, man, wow. Dude, straight hot I mean, fire. That's a, and that's a new record for us, though. Usually it's like an hour and a half, almost two hours. Ah, oh, well, originally, when I, when I set out, I was like, we're, we're going to do an hour. We're going to do an hour, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ah, but then I started but, talking. Uh, hey, man, you know, like it, it's we're a couple of talkers, and um, things happen, you know. It, it, but yeah, I hope that that for everybody listening to this, I hope that this podcast has been very informative for all of you out there. Um, you know, taking it from somebody who is a signals intelligence professional who did this for a living, specifically targeting people. And it kind of clears the water when it comes to drones, drone mitigation, because we get a lot of questions about that, as well as all the other things in the RF spectrum. And um, if you want to learn a lot more, Madman's got a course. It's going to be hosted at my place here in North Carolina. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, you know, the end of November 21st, uh, 20th and 21st of November, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. And, uh, come on out. We're going to have a heck of a good time. Um, you know, coming right up on Thanksgiving as well. That that's going to be, um, you know, everybody that comes up to the place in North Carolina, uh, the reviews are, are, uh, the course reviews are, are pretty deep and I'm very honored by that. Um, got you know, everybody that comes up here has a heck of a good time. I know that I'm going to be having a good time. We're going to take really good care of you, and you're going to be learning a whole lot of stuff in the process. So if you got something out of this podcast and, 
you know, this is something that, that is critically important to both Madman and myself because we've been on the weaponized end of this. And if, you know, we're willing to share what we know, if, if you want to take us up on this, come out to class. That's the best way to experience all of this. Hey, brother, thanks for taking time out of your evening to be on. I appreciate you having me, man. Honored every single time. Hey, man, honors all mine. God bless. God bless all of you out there, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out. Back away.